Hello and welcome to the Mindful Family Business. My name is Russ Hayworth and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Martin Stepek. In each episode, we will be exploring and learning about the ancient teachings of mindfulness and how we can apply these to situations within our family business. We are also offering access to a program that takes what we speak about and applies it to your own family business. More details of that at the end of the show. But for now, take a breath, relax and enjoy the show. Welcome to the show, Martin. How are you? I'm really well. I've had an extraordinarily busy and diverse week, um, so it's always been a pleasure to come to you and you know do this as a, a stable forum for us. Um, but it's been great. Um, some really interesting people and enjoyed the company all week, so looks good. Excellent. Always good to hear. And I think that might tie in quite nicely, actually, with um, the topic for today's show, which is right effort. Um, which we're going to delve into. Um, but uh, uh, from an unlearned um, position, it sounds as though uh, you're putting uh, a right effort into uh, many different things to um, add to the, the variety of your life. Yes, and I've actually written down here, this is not rehearsed at all, um, in my notes from last night, said, interesting two days, not necessarily positive, though it faced value all tempting. And I wrote down the three different things that are slightly different from what I normally do. And then I wrote down, the danger is getting caught up in these at the expense of my other work, um, which is just approaching fruition. You know, um, And that's, to me, the, the clarity of thought about no matter how interesting it is, what's my priority again? What am I here to do? And what do I not want to sacrifice for some nice little glistening thing that comes up, comes around? So that that was my thoughts. That was last night, um, about half past 10 at night, just scribbled it down, just basically to say in the morning, double check these interesting things. They might be able to be slotted in, but they might not. And if they if I get caught up too much in them, then other things that matter more to me might suffer. So, mm. Yeah, very much so. And I think, again, that's something to be taken away from the um, learnings and the teachings that we're covering throughout this entire series is when this becomes part of your um, everyday life, it, it becomes something that is extremely useful and valuable in helping you firstly with attaining clarity, but also helping make decisions and um, make choices in your life, which, um, again, is, is um, I think, one of the, the many benefits of, of approaching things from a mindful perspective. Yes, I think that, I think anybody who's up for life and, you know, there's a, an enormous amount of really intelligent, talented people there with a lot of energy. The problem is that nowadays, there's so much opportunity. You know, you can meet people online, you can meet people through, you know, sort of Facebook, you can meet people through things, and then all of a sudden, a great idea pops up. And you think, hmm, that sounds really great, but I've got five really great ideas on the go already, <laughs> and I'm not seeing enough of time with my wife or my kids, you know, and I promised I would go and help that charity, and 
I'm not really getting drowned to. I think so the, the discipline of clear thinking and the discipline of knowing what matters most to you um, is very useful to be able to say no. And, you know, you and I had a conversation just before we started about something that was extremely tempting for me, you know, financially. And it was literally within the blink of an eye, I said, no, thanks, because it would mean me having to sacrifice other things that were of more importance to me, non-financial. Um, and that ability to come to trust your mind, that you, you've nurtured your mind sufficiently strongly, that you're less likely to jump into something new um, if it's not going to give you the, I guess, the, the emotional and nurturing rewards as a person. Um, it's, it's invaluable. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and as I mentioned, we're, we're going to be covering off um, right effort on today's um, episode. We've done this uh, on every episode in terms of summarizing what we've covered already. And it's getting obviously one topic longer every time we, we summarize. Um, but, but if uh, we could do, uh, again, a summary in terms of what we've covered to, to date in terms of the um uh, four noble truths and then the eightfold path and, and where we've got to on that uh, i think that would be a really useful place to start sure so this four noble truths and eightfold path are almost like the summary prompters that the buddha um, created to summarize his teachings so that people would remember them better as they, they tried to go about doing this and, and mindfulness is the core that basically encompasses everything else um, but the teachings are roughly as follows so the Four Noble Truths poor translation um, some people will be getting used to that <laughs> statement the original words translated would be four truths that ennoble you four truths that make you the best person you can be essentially and that is understanding that life has a lot of suffering. You know, mental dissatisfaction, frustrations, failures, etc., losses in life. So really getting that as a starting point that, you know, life is not going to be great all the time so that you're prepared for it. And then the second is a lot of the mental turmoil of suffering actually comes from within and it comes from your response to things. So a thirst for an end to something bad. And he used the word thirst. A thirst for something like a big house or a thirst for financial stability in an unstable world. Things like that. Um, and these causes dissatisfaction. And when we don't get what we want, we suffer from it. So the third truth is then you can come out of that cycle of ups and downs, ups and downs. You can mentally reframe yourself, retrain yourself so that these things will still happen, but you're not suffering anything like as much as a result. And so it's about mental training. And the fourth truth is that there is a pathway to train yourself to do this. So that then leads on to the Eightfold Path, which is the fourth truth. 
And that is, the first one is right understanding, which is a summary of what we just spoke about there. There is suffering. A lot of it comes from within. We can manage that better and maybe even resolve um, our suffering. The second truth is intention or thought. So we should have to try and work on our thinking, work on our thoughts so we don't let out ones that are destructive and unhelpful to situations. And we try and cultivate a mind, which is where mindfulness is, is core in the, in the development of this. You try to cultivate thoughts that are always constructive, thoughts that are always considered to help you and the people around you. So it's kind of altruistic perspective. And then there's right speech, which now we call right communication because we've got email, the internet and all this, and social media. But essentially that's doing the same thing. It's saying it's not only your thoughts, you need to get your thoughts right in order for the words to be right when you put them across. Because there's an awful lot of people who have tried to say something with the right intention, but it just comes out wrong. So what the Buddha taught was that words are incredibly important and they're incredibly skillful. You have to be incredibly skillful to use words well. And so this that's the cultivation of that. So then it's right action. The decisions you make, what do you actually do? And it's the same thing. Try and do things that's for the best of all. Try and do things that not only work out for the short term, but long term. And a classic example of that is, you know, all the economic and ecological stuff to do with climate change. You know, is we need to think about more than just the fact that if I buy a plastic bag today, it's great, I can take my shopping home. You know, there are consequences. And so we think about our right actions. And then there's right livelihood, which was astonishing because the Buddha was two and a half thousand years ago and he was talking about employers' duties to their employees, you know, and not to harm when you do your work. So somebody working in a cigarette factory or a tobacco factory, someone working as a butcher, in his time he said, you know, if you have to kill animals for a living, then after work, try and help animals. So trying to balance that out. So there's this understanding. And now what we call it is purpose-driven ESG. Uh -huh. Prior to that, it's CSR. But this is real stuff. He's saying, you need to think about this, you know. And so now we're at the stage of the next one, which is right effort. Um, so we'll yeah. continue on that vein. Absolutely. And again, I think it's worth reiterating that around the translation side of things that, so when we're talking about right, it's not the moral judgment of right or wrong. Mm. It, it is skillful, I think, it is what we've used as a, a more accurate um, reflection of that. And I guess that goes into when we're talking about right effort. It's more about a skillful effort, but, but perhaps sort of expand beyond that as to, to what you interpret that as to, to meaning. Yeah, I mean, obviously, morality and skill have got a big overlap. You know, usually when you think about something and are skillful about it, you're trying to get a good moral outcome from it. But, you, but it's, it's important to distinguish it. This is about, because what happens in maybe other traditions and, and through history, for example, in the Old Testament, you've got the Ten Commandments and it's thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. 
So it's it's fixed and it's literally in the Bible in stone, you know, carved in stone. They don't have that in, in Buddhism. They don't have that in the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. Basically, they say life's too complicated to make it that simple. You have to be skillful. You have to think, in what circumstances is it wrong to harm? In what circumstances is it right to harm because maybe self-defence, things like that. So this notion of being skillful, it's about nuance and it's about thought and it's about making sure that you're again your intention is right before you start doing things so in terms of that right effort is essentially saying and firstly an understanding that it's really hard work to change your mind you know this is not an easy task mindfulness is lifelong and your automatic mind is prone to just overturn things, you know, in a second, a split second. And therefore, it requires effort to keep on the path of mindfulness and it requires effort to notice when your mind is maybe becoming untoward and unpleasant, unhelpful, and then being able to make that shift. So the work itself is hard, you know, the work of mindfulness, the work of making these changes to ourselves. But it's more than that. It's also don't get too over-disciplined about it. Don't do it so much that you are exhausting yourself. And also don't do it in such an evangelical way that you scare off all your friends and family um, because you're saying, you need to do this, you need to do that. I'm being mindful, I'm being, you know. So that idea that, Effort is has got to be judged. It's got to be judged. Are you doing too much of it? Are you not doing enough of it? Are you doing it in the right way, with the right people, with yourself? Um, and that, again, and it's one of the beauties of, to me, the Buddha's teachings is he doesn't give you pat answers. He says, you need to think about this stuff. So what is right effort for one person may not be appropriate for another person in another situation. You know, a mother with two young children is not going to be able to do mindfulness the same as somebody of my age, you know, on my own with, you know, with my wife, and but the kids have flown the nest. Yeah. And again, linking a couple of things that you mentioned there back to um, the, the family business element of what we're looking at as well. In terms of the Ten Commandments, and the way that they can, they're set in stone and they are all very clear, they, thou shalt not, and so on and so forth. The, the difference we're talking about here in terms of the word skillful is thinking about what is likely to work for you and utilising the fact that we have a, a moral compass to, to say, well, we can make our own minds up as to what we will and won't do. It reminds me a little bit in terms of the kind of, statements or best practices that can creep into family business work where you go like the rules for this family are thou shalt not thou shalt not thou shalt not which might work on a very superficial level and give a guide but actually the complexity and nuance that we speak about in terms of life that is put it under a microscope in in, in a family enterprise or family business and so having a more skillful approach or 
um, the right approach, uh, as is defined in, in uh, what we've been talking about, would also take into account those nuances and wouldn't come up necessarily with hard and fast, thou shalt not type um, rules, but be more fluid and be more um, open to, to what everybody in the family would want. Absolutely. There are real dangers in almost browbeating yourself into everything being cast in stone um, or other members of the family just basically submitting to someone else's more dogmatic push for you know, a constitution that says thou shalt not and thou shalt and you, by the age of 25 you can do this and all this stuff. Um, life isn't as simple as a constitution as every country who's got a constitution finds out sooner or later. Um, it doesn't mean it's not a good practice to, to have it. It's, it's about the fluidity and it's about a recognition of human nature and human dynamics and human relationships that it doesn't stay the same. You can write down, you know, with, with your parents, your siblings, your children, a document that feels absolutely right for this year, but in three years' time, you're all three years older, and you may have entirely different priorities and different perspectives, and therefore the old one no longer fits. And if some of the people in the family like the old but even though it's now out of date, then you've got a real problem if you've said this is our constitution. Whereas if you have this acceptance of fluidity and you are able to make decisions that are always conditional so that they can be changed and shifted over time, then I think that's a more realistic thing and that requires effort. It requires effort not to put everything into, in stone. It requires effort to step back and quite often effort in terms of a family dynamic is about giving people space. So your effort is in restraining yourself rather than trying to restrain someone else or push someone else in a particular direction. Um, it's so important because, I mean, I've lived through the, the consequences, good and bad, of, um, of right or well-meaning efforts um, causing pain to, to other family members. Um, and that includes my own efforts um, hurting other people. So it's easy to it's easy to get on your high horse and think a kind of zealous sort of certainty. But, but life is much more subtle than that. And I think that's one of the great things about the way the Buddha taught this is you know this it's the so opposite the idea of right in terms of skillful. You need to be skillful in this, um, and your effort needs to be skillful, and that sometimes requires balance, you need to make sure that you get rest enough so that you're not trying to work your way through. I mean, some of the family um, business consultancy meetings can be incredibly draining because they're dealing with difficult issues and it's hour after hour after hour, so you get a break for lunch and then you're back at it again. And sometimes your quality of th thinking just drains away and that's poor effort, that's too much effort, that's inappropriate effort. Yeah, and, and I think um, if 
and hopefully there are people listening um, to this that it's only you and I when we're recording it, but obviously we're hoping other people will will listen to this and it will resonate and, and people might be thinking, well, I want to, to take this into my family or into my family business. The, the point you made there about giving people space and not trying to be too over-enthusiastic about it in the amount of effort you put into trying convincing everyone else in your family that this would be a fantastic thing to to listen to. Um, being in a business with your family is, it takes effort, right? And, and it is something that is complex, more complex than a non-family um, enterprise because of the presence of um, the family dynamics and, and the relationships happening there. And so there is the need for this effort to be um, skillfully applied. But the rewards and benefits of doing so, um, particularly if you can get that alignment and you can get the agreement on where you're going, why you're going there, what the journey is going to be like along the way so we're not just pitching something 15 years out and thinking when we get there we'll sit down and reflect and see see whether it was like we expected it to be or not. It, it is this continual journey with, with people that you... Um, love and trust uh, and what we've covered in in terms of the um, four noble truths and the eightfold path is a, a useful um, lens through which to, to approach this yeah absolutely and I was just thinking much the same thing if you take a couple of steps back on this eightfold path the right effort requires effort in terms of your thinking. It requires effort in terms of your communication. It requires effort in terms of your actions that you do. You know, so these paths are all, it's more like a circle with eight slices. And, you know, they, they all interconnect. If no matter how skillful your intention to speak well, if you don't have the effort to focus and concentrate and make sure that you're thinking about your words, it can come out wrong. And if you push too hard, then your actions, well-intended, can turn out to be catastrophic actions. So we need... Uh, this is essentially the cultivation of wisdom, um, which sounds a bit corny, but I think that's, that's what it is. You're trying to nurture yourself so that you can skillfully try and help the rest of the family think through what's best for them not what's best for you, but what's best for them and what and introduce also what's best for you and have a full open exploration. So that requires a huge degree of ability to listen, which is also right speech. Right speech is also when you don't say anything, you know, and, and let, let other people do it. Um, it's also about uh, all of us matter equally perspective and very few human beings have that instinctively. So you have to cultivate that when that's a, a recalibration of your mind, and that requires effort. Um, we're all born with particular traits, and these are genetic in origin. And some of them are about prejudices and tribes and selfishnesses. And we need to start to see these in ourselves so that we can be aware of them and their destructive effect when we are engaging with family in terms of big 
long-term decisions. And it's important to see if you have a skewed view, for example, if it's your wee brother, in Scottish terms, you know, your little brother, um, and you're really thinking of him as not as important as other people because just because he was younger than you when you were a kid. And, and these things happen all the time in family business explorations of issues, you know, kowtowing to your parents just because they're your parents, you know, but it's important that everyone is open and equal. Um, and that requires a degree of skilled effort um, that, that is unusual and therefore needs to be developed consciously, I think. Mm. And guided uh, consciously by the facilitator, by the, the consultant. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> I was going to um, sort of mention or, or bring up the topic of birth order in, in terms of the, the kind of idea of everyone within the conversation and and uh, within the families is equal. That can be quite challenging in terms of birth order if it, there has been this kind of hierarchy within the family dynamic because one's an older sister or older brother um, and then the younger sibling as well. Um, it can take a lot of effort to stop thinking like that. And if that's been the way in which our mind has been sort of developed over however old we are, however many years we've been on this planet, it's not necessarily going to take 10 minutes to change that viewpoint. It is something that requires skillful effort on an ongoing basis to continually to remind ourselves this is the premise of what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This is how we're going to be doing it. We are all equal in this conversation. Um, and that, again, I think is why, linking it back to what we we're saying about things like family constitutions or family charters, I don't believe they're particularly useful if they just sit in a drawer after they've been drawn up because our memories play tricks on us and um, we don't necessarily remember things in exactly the same way. And you can get 10 years down the, the road and go, oh, do you remember that family charter we put together? <laughs> Does anyone know where it is? Um, and, and so the right effort in maintaining these types of things um, it is, for me, is really important in helping to, to maintain a degree of harmony in, in the family. I'm not saying everything's going to be, you know, rosy if, if you go through this, but it it is still something that requires that effort because it's worth it. Yeah, and I think this is where this section, right effort, marries straight into the next one, which is right mindfulness. Mindfulness is the tool by which we notice our state of mind and slowly over time change it. So it's almost like a reframing of ourselves. And that requires lifelong effort. So I've been doing it for 24 years. I'm 63. If I live to 93, that will be 53 years or whatever. So because the automatic nature of our mind, the sort of conditioning we're born with, with our genes, and the conditioning that is imposed upon us by our upbringing and our childhood and our schools, etc. They all embed, and it takes a real effort to notice that that isn't that that isn't necessarily a good thing that's popping up into our head, and being able to change it into a more neutral observer's 
positive perspective in a meeting, say. So you're trying to get rid of the prejudice each time. You have to do that every single time you have a meeting and you have to consciously do it. Otherwise, you're coming in there with a bunch of preset perspectives that may be totally inaccurate now, or even if they're accurate just now, they can skew your communication with people to mean that the outcome that you're all searching for is less likely to be as good as it could be um, because you haven't managed your own preset states of mind going into a meeting. People should go into a meeting with open minds. If you go into a meeting with closed minds, you might as well just write it all down and then say, well, okay, three out of five say this, let's go with that. You know, but that's not the way that you, families can can flourish and this what this is all about. So the right effort, ultimately, to my mind, is the right effort about managing and developing and nurturing your mind. Um, without that, we are just... I often think of the human mind as, and the people who have got minds um, that haven't tried to develop them and shift and change them it's like being a pinball in a machine. You know, you start off and that's life, and then ping, 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 ping. You react to this, you react to that, you react to that. You've got prejudices with these type of people, you don't like that person, you love those people. And you go through life with these programs just dictating who you are. And it requires a huge, long effort to get out of that and to start to actually think afresh. And beauty with the, the teachings here is you don't get told what to think. You get told how to clear, create a clear mind and a calm mind so that you can think properly for yourself. And very often it's amazing how the degree to which we don't think for ourselves. We're thinking things that have been imposed in our mind at primary school or because we happen to live in Northern England or Wales or Scotland or something. Um, and mindfulness says, Make the effort to try and use your intelligence more broadly, more widely and more deeply than, than we instinctively and naturally would do. Yeah. I love the analogy of the um, pinball machine. Uh, and I imagine um, some kind of uh, interventions and, and um, best practice type models for family business are like the two um, – flappy bits at the bottom of the pinball machine that ping you off in a certain direction and it's like ping and ping and we've done our job, we've pinged them off in a certain direction um, but it, it isn't um, that the the person that's been pinged or the family that's been pinged then have to react and adapt and rather than it being something that they've approached through um, their own thinking which again I think is a really powerful message from this is that the answers generally lie within us when, when we're facing challenges we can get support we can get help but by having the ability to think clearer and, and having the space to be able to think clearer um we can often overcome more things that, than we perhaps give ourselves credit for yeah i think you know another analogy using the pinball machine um is up to the point where we try and get help in the family business it's the pinball that i've just describe ping, 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 ping. And you're kind of being pinged from one thing to another by your own reactions and everybody else's reactions. What it's like if you get the wrong type of help in, help in quotation marks, um, is that the ball's gone down 
between the two flippers. And the so-called expert comes in and says, I know your answer, let's just ping another ball in. And that's your constitution, that's everything. But then you're ping, ping, pinged, but just in a slightly different thing with a new ball. And what you want to do is get out of the blooming machine. And that, and, and that is, I think, a good analogy of a family business. A family business is a dynamic, it's a machine, it's a system. And you don't want to get rid of the system, but you want it to be the right system. You want it to be the right machine for you and your family and everyone else involved in the business, relevant to the future, relevant to the wishes and the desires and the aims of the, the key people in, in the business. Um, and you can't do it within the old machine. And you can't do it by keeping the old machine and putting a few new things in that, mm. that make it look glo glossy and glitzy. Different colour lights. Yeah, exactly. You, you need a complete full review and, and rethink at things. Um, and that, again, is back to right effort. Was, that requires a skill and a diligence that is, is actually is tiring. It's, there's no doubt about it that this can be draining work, but and you have to therefore make sure you take rests and take breaks you know, in terms of your thinking, so your thinking can be refreshed and you can go in again with, with new thinking. Um, but you can't get away from the fact that this is not easy stuff. And you have to put in the effort that's required and you have to also make sure that everybody is rested enough and fresh in their thinking enough to be able to contribute properly to get to the, the best outcome that's possible. And also a realisation that in most cases, the best outcome won't please everybody equally. And if everybody's clear about that at the beginning, then they're more likely to be accepting of it at the end. Uh -huh. Yeah, and again, I, I don't want to over-analogise, if that's a word, um, but, but in terms of um, if we think of it as a, as a marathon rather than a sprint, if you try and sprint a marathon, you, you run out of is pretty quickly unless you're a fully trained professional athlete you need to take things at the right pace and you need to have the right um rest and, and recuperation in between things like training sessions and, and things like that in order for you to be able to um, perform on the day so um right effort doesn't necessarily mean maximum um effort and, and get, let's get everything done uh, on day one um because it it's, that's far more likely to result in uh, some unintended consequences and perhaps some some upset, even though there might be the right intention uh, with what's um, being approached. Yep, and I think taking that analogy, um, the emphasis on mindfulness in mindfulness is on the moment, that the present moment matters. And I think that if our family have sufficiently developed their qualities and skills that you can they, they can have the quality of conversation and the depth of conversation in the now over the days, the weeks, the years of their lives, that many of the issues that consultants have to come in and help them work through can be thought through and clarified 
by the family when there are minor issues to be looked at. And what tends to happen in a family is we all work together but we and we talk about minor stuff together, but we never talk about the big stuff together. And therefore the big stuff just accumulates and accumulates and accumulates. And then we have to get somebody else in because we can't untangle that big ball of wool that's now that's now there. Whereas in, in, in pure mindfulness terms, and you try and deal with things in the earliest stages. You try and notice things and you think, hmm, if we don't talk about this now, then in 12 years' time, you know, that, that could be a real problem. And then the family harmony grows and develops because we're constantly just exploring big issues and putting them to bed or making them clear enough to tide us over for the next few years and, and you work it forward that way. And I think that, again, is also another version of skillful effort. It's the ability to deal with things early, constantly. It's the nipping in the bud thing. It's the same with stress, you know, in my other work with helping people, you know, with difficulties mentally. That idea that as soon as you get something tiny a bit stressful, deal with it. Just gently breathe in, let it go. And that way, by the end of the day, you don't have 10 little balls of stress on top of one another. You've just got the last one because you've dealt with the first nine already. And I think dealing with families can be done in the same way and families can do it. And if they've got a good expert or good advisor, good consultant beside them and the family are leading the initiatives on discussion, then that facilitated conversation can make things flow so much more smoothly um, than not dealing with not dealing, not dealing, and then all of a sudden you've got this Mount Everest to, I, to deal yeah. with. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, the, the the message there, and, and, and I see it as a reassuring message, is that it takes effort. It, it takes right, skillful effort in, in doing all of this. Um, but it's because, I mean, just generally in life, what we're, we're covering uh, in uh, these recordings and, and the teachings is is around a path to enlightenment or ennoblement, um, and that that's worth the effort, right? It, I, that's how I see it. Is is you say you've done twenty three years? I think you mentioned that I've not done twenty three years um, of this practice. I've done a very, very short period of time in in um, comparison. But for me, I'm quite excited about where this is going to go and where this is going to take me because it is something that I'm going to be practicing on an ongoing basis. And therefore, you know, I've seen over the weeks that we've been doing this, the the benefits of, of me doing it um, for that small period of time. And I'm thinking, well, what, what's it going to be like in a year's time, in 10 years' time or 15 years' time? Um, and that's exciting. And I know that's going to take effort, but I'm excited by that effort rather than, I'm intimidated by it because I know the benefits are um, going to be so much better than not putting the effort in. Yeah, and, you know, I think back, you know, when you were saying there, so it's almost quarter of a century I've been doing this. And so more than half my adult life. And I think, how would I have coped with, you know, we had great success in business, then the business collapsed. 
Then I set up the Family Business Scottish Family Business Association to help other families with all the pros and cons and the challenges that that, that organisation has had. And then all the losses of people I love coming in the last nine years, seven, eight, nine people who I dearly love have, have died um, in that time. And the ability to manage that and not just deal with those issues, but also to make sure that my immediate family, a big family, seven brothers and two sisters, and making sure that we were as harmonised as possible given the challenges and the difficulties when the business went bust. So that ability to do that, I don't think I could have done it without mindfulness. And it's not just the ability to cope with difficulties, it's, it's still to be happy. You know, and, and to see the, the absolute joys in life, the beauties in life. I mean, I'm living here in Hamilton, you know, springtime has just been fabulous. Colours are amazing. You know, you go out for a walk and we've got wee night cameras and, you know, there's badgers and deer and, and foxes. And this is in the middle of a town and, you know, with a little enclave, a wee waterfall, there's a stream, a burn. And we forget that that's, that's amazing if your eyes are open to it. And I think all of that would have been blinded to me if I hadn't had the mindfulness to deal with the difficulties that the last 20 odd years have, have brought. And every person has their difficulties in a 20 year period. Um, and everybody, every person has, should have the capability, the skills to not only ride through those, but actually still to come out of it and say, yeah, life is absolutely spectacular, special, and um, be grateful for all you've got. Absolutely. And that for me is a, a really positive note for us to um, end our conversation t- today on. We're uh, next um, episode is going to be looking at right mindfulness, which you touched on um, a little bit earlier on. I'm, I'm looking forward to delving into more detail on that. Uh, and our next conversation but um, for now thank you very much again and um, look forward to speaking again soon my pleasure thanks Russ it is our firm belief that it is healthy for your business your family as a whole and each individual involved to learn how to develop a fresh more objective perspective of the situation each of you is in so that clearer aims, hopes and visions can be explored together in a positive, respectful and constructive manner. Martin and I have created the Mindful Family Business Programme to help you with this. If you'd like to find out more about this, please head to familybusinesspartnership.com forward slash mindful for more information. Or you can email me, russ at familybusinesspartnership.com. We really hope you've enjoyed the show and if you have, please feel free to share it with your family and you can even leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, take care.